0: Much fun.
1: <laughs> That's fun. Oops,
2: I don't think care. I can top that guy, so we're done. I'll see you next time. Right. See you next time. Yeah, yeah.
1: see
2: ya. <laughs> that was the, the ensemble time for three. You know, folks at home will remember you because you played with Toledo Symphony last October. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to mention your names Charles Yang, violinist, Nick Kendall, or should I call you Nikki Diamonds? Just oh, you remember oh. that, Brad? You remember that? Uh, <laughs> I, no, does. I went back and listened to our His podcast research. again. Oh yeah, that just, was fun uh, to get all those little tidbits. <laughs> That's great. And also, double bass player Renan Meyer. Time for Whoop. three, and with you know luxury casting, Kevin mm-hmm. Puts, the wonderful composer at the piano. Whoop. Studio clapping um. cue. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 A push, push a button. Yeah,
3: push a button.
4: Not Woo! The, Woo! No, not the left track.
3: Yeah,
2: that. That. That, that piece that we heard, that, that's a Bulgarian folk dance, right? Now, mm-hmm. did you arrange it, Kevin? or Not, you know, we kind of uh, kind of arranged it together. I mean, it was a,
5: it was uh, something I discovered while I was composing this piece, and I was looking for some material for the last movement, or at least something that it would sort of sound like, and I eventually decided... Just to actually incorporate this amazing tune that we just played, and 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 sort of go my own way with it, you know, sort of um, take it as a starting point, and um, and then at some point in the in the movement, incorporate earlier elements in the piece and see if I can make it all work under the same uh, roof. But yeah, this this arrangement we play together, I don't know, we kind of developed it together. I mean, these guys just <laughs> you just give them some material and they can,
2: you know, you don't need to tell them anything; they figure it out. So yeah, yeah. That, that's amazing. Um, I'm kind of at a loss for words after that performance. I'm <laughs> <but>, um, <laughs> at a loss of
3: breath right now. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. L- let's talk a little bit about this new album that's coming out because yes. it, it's fantastic that you've got Kevin puts, and uh, you've also got Jennifer Higdon, who oh, yeah. has a lot of ties to this community here in Toledo, and that's right. Yeah, that's right. and she comes on and curates and co-hosts yeah. my new oh, music cool. show, which Kevin has been interviewed for as well. Um, so it's a it's a great album. I know the Concerto for Three, but then Kevin, you wrote your own Concerto called Contact, right? For this group, L- let's start by talking about uh, well the album first of all, Letters for the Future. I mean, what what what's the unifying concept between these two composers? You know, what's where's the title come from?
0: Well, it's um, you know, I think during the pandemic. Um, we were all very much separated. Um, I mean, I'm talking about the band and with Kevin, but I, you know, as a metaphor, everybody was society, the human race. Um, We were missing our audiences. We were missing that energy of being together. Um, And it was honestly, we had a lot of time and we were in the, we were in the creative process with Kevin, even though without the pandemic, we were supposed to premiere Kevin's work. um, And then the pandemic happened. And, when we first were going to premiere it, it was called Triple Concerto Simply, but then we actually had the gift of time. I mean, I, it's horrible to say um, because there was just so much loss, but for us, it was actually um, uh, quite amazing. And we really were thinking of, of this piece, but then we had this incredible opportunity come at, before us to record this, none other than the Philadelphia Orchestra, yeah. <laughs> which um, which has a lot of ties to us as well. But... When we were thinking about what to put on the album, um, it was quite obvious that these two things should exist on it. And it was even more amazing that while we were really retooling and rethinking of Kevin's piece, which was this idea of reconnecting with each other, this idea of this concept of kind of while we were dealing with so much stuff here on, on Earth, that sometimes when you... If you're an astronaut and you go to space... The problems seem to be smaller, and there's this idea of possibility. Um, the, th- the third movement of Kevin's piece is really about this idea of this spacecraft maybe lost in space, but then Kevin wrote this gorgeous, beautiful line that was about connection. So here we had this piece that was really taking form about this idea of, of possibilities. Yeah. And then we had Jennifer's piece, which was a celebration of something on Earth of specifically, in her words, the celebration of Americana, the celebration of bluegrass music. So we had this, uh, these polarizing metaphors with this piece, and it also represents an incredibly diverse and exciting creative time in our little field. Um, and what if we could capture all this, this moment, this project with the Philadelphia Orchestra, two incredible living composers, and with Deutsche Grammophon as as a metaphor for the future. And so we we called it Letters for the Future with all of this sort of embodied in this message.
2: It's sort of a time capsule of sorts. You know, when I first heard, Kevin, the title of your concerto, Contact, when I read that, I was thinking of Carl Sagan and all of that, you know. Kind of stuff. That was what I was
5: thinking as yeah. well. I mean, uh, there was a, there's this a, there's a I remember we were, we were talking about this piece after I had written it, and it's like, uh, we, the whole piece was written, and we were just talking about like, what does it mean? Like, could you know, is it? It it does seem like it's about you know, in in many ways, like the 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 Bulgarian tune we played. It's about you know, here's another culture, and and I'm playing your song in my in my language, and maybe you'll play one of my songs in your language, and it's sort of a, a cultural sharing. Um, And but that film and the book, which I read after seeing the film, um, there are just some scenes that are so powerful in that film. And um, and it's something I think about a lot about about contacting, you know, uh, who else is out there and what kind of what we'd learn about ourselves if, if contact was made with some distant civilization. So it's something I I do think about. I think it it did find its way into this piece.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, listening to it, I think of it sort of as a a little bit of a musical travelogue. I mean, you have music that is reminiscent of different cultures that's kind of working its way through the piece. I assume that's what you intended, yeah.
5: I don't know, actually. When I was writing it, you know, I tend to have a kind of a lot in my brain. (laughs) I mean, a lot, you know, when I'm composing, I... (laughs) uh it's i don't really have a a plan in mind you know i, I it's sort of a journey for me to discover the pieces i go and i i feel like i um the the musical sort of discoveries that occur along the way are intuitive and um unpredictable a lot of the time um but uh that's interesting that you heard it that way that Kevin
0: really, actually yeah. that the truth of it. Let's just be real. Kevin just woke up one day and wrote the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it took a little longer than that.
5: But, 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 but kind actually, of, yeah. <laughs> but, but actually, with this piece, you know that what I, that I the way it does differ from the process of writing most other pieces of mine is that I was so intimidated by by this ensemble, not only because they're so great and they they play so beautifully together, um, and they have such a uh, body of work that they've created together. But also, what, you know, two violins and bass, like what could I do with that? And then just as a, as a group, but then in relation to the orchestra, what could I do? So I actually began with some ideas, which I don't usually do. I usually start at the beginning and I just tell the story. But I had some things that just I wanted to, to, to incorporate in the piece, and I hoped I would be able to find a way to. Um, and so that was, so maybe that, what you're hearing is <laughs> sort of a these disparate, Elements that all found
2: their way into the into the music at some point later. Well, I wonder if some of it has to do with Time for Three itself and their style. I mean, when you're writing for a specific person or ensemble, does that? I assume that affects how you're composing or how you approach it. It's
5: it's as if they're in the room with me. (laughs) You know, I've just been finished a big opera um, with Renee Fleming in it, and you know, every time I'm writing for her character, it's like I'm I'm. Imagining her right next to me singing it, and and physically imagining how she'll deliver it, what she'll do with the phrase, and her kind of demeanor as a as a as a as a performer, um, physically um, and of course orally, and and what she does with her voice. The same with this group, you know. I I just I know them. I got to know them. I, I of course I watch all their videos, but I've been to their shows several of them and so it's like they were in the room with me when I was composing it you yeah. know
1: it's i'm just going to comment a little bit from my perspective you know with this with this process because you know we we played a live performance and Kevin came to the performance and then we met i think in Charles's apartment uh and and Kevin came with with all of these notes like specific notes you, you know about certain pieces that we had played and he, he wanted to know about this eight measures here and those 10 measures over there and, you know, sort of like get really inside of like what, what it is we were doing with, with, with those specific things that he had noticed and observed. And, um, and then we would talk about it and unpack it, but then he, he ran with it. He didn't just like, you know, oh, I want to put that into my music. He took that as inspiration and then pushed the band forward with his compositional uh, uh, inspiration and depth And um, I think all three of us feel at this point as as individual players and as an ensemble that, um, you know, there's been percentage points in the 10s, in the 20s, in the 30s, where now we're new players as a result of this piece. Amen. octave leaps that we wouldn't have considered within sort of our, you know, our canon or like, um, you know, uh, the, the, by design sort of like wonderful defaults that we all have as players that are good, you know, they're good defaults where we can kind of lay in them and trust each other with them. But then Kevin's pushing us even a little more, you know, to explore on our instruments with each other. Um, and, you know, just in the same way that he's taking, um, in mind, uh, that artist or that band when he's writing the piece. Um, we're now taking him in spirit whenever we go and perform the piece. That's
2: wonderful. Beautifully said.
1: Um, I want to talk about the
2: singing thing just briefly, because there's a lot of singing in this piece by Kevin. It it starts out with singing, right? And. Mm Uh, I know uh, Nick when you were on the podcast you kind of downplayed your own singing but you guys sound like a wonderful vocal trio in this <laughs> this recording. Hello. Yeah. That was actually MIDI voice. Yeah, it's it it no, all no, post production.
3: No, that was uh, that was uh, okay, just you know um to add along to what everyone's saying and to your um comment about all the styles you might be hearing from Kevin, you know, this was a true collaboration. You know, uh, Kevin has his own language that we adore. We as a band play so many different styles. So when he came over, he heard us sing, he heard us play bluegrass or the blues or even some jazz licks. And what we do with our instruments that might be kind of unorthodox that you don't learn from Curtis or Juilliard, um, those are all implemented within this concerto. So that is all us, you know, that is all what we love to do as, as a sound. And Kevin really sculpted that around us, uh, and our two languages kind of combined there. Um, so that might be what you're hearing, uh, including this, the vocal stuff too. I mean,
5: yeah, the, the, the singing, I can't remember, I remember I was sitting at the dinner table and I, and I was (coughs) playing around with that idea. I played it for my son, who's my toughest critic. He's 12. Um, and, um, He gave me the thumbs up, Um, but it was, I I remember I played this chorale very simple, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be great because they're going to like start on the, the, they'll start on the same pitch, you know, like on an E and then, and then they'll open up to a triad and they can do that because they can start on the same, it'll be, it's like good choral writing, right? (laughs) Because they can start on a single pitch together and then they open up. So I thought they can do that. And I, and, but I think what I was, I was into the simplicity of it, you know, just the kind of directness, like C major. One note moves, and then a simple suspension. I think that's why some of, we were thinking at some point, what if that corral, little corral that you hear at the very beginning of the piece, were sent out into space, like in one of these cap, you know, Voyager capsules, what would it describe about our you know, us as humans? Like, okay, we begin together, and then we disperse into another harmony, and then one of us changes... And then two of us change, and one of the notes is suspended over, and then it's resolved so that it sounds like the first harmony. Is there some, is there some um, information about our DNA simply within those four chords? You know, I was that's oh. something I was thinking about. You know, but I mean, from com- compositional point of view, it's just that something simple is easy to develop and to br- to build on, and so that's what was interesting to me about it.
2: Well, in a way, that's a, a hallmark of your music. I kind yes. of like. When I listen to it, I think that makes perfect sense, right? your choices and, and the directions that you move in and it's just wonderful to listen to really Thank beautiful, you. Thank you so much. beautiful music. um you guys want to play another piece for us?
0: yeah're right. do um we're gonna do a little excerpt of in the style of stakowski doing his version of Toccata and Fugue um and other composers who have recomposed other composers um, in modern music you have DJs remixing songs um, this is our our uh, excerpt of our version it's actually a collaboration with Time for Three and another creator Steve Hackman who is classmates with us at Curtis um, honoring and celebrating the great solo Bach work, the Shacone for okay. solo violin let's hear it
2: alright <clears throat> That's great. You know, what I love about you guys is you're kind of like, you carry the gospel of of music from centuries ago into the present, and uh, it's really just wonderful. Thank you.
3: Thank you you so much,
2: Bruce. Let's talk a little bit about um, Jennifer Higdon, because her Concerto 4-3 is also on the disc. Um, Who wants to, to talk a little bit about that relationship?
1: Well, I think, you know, it goes back to uh, when Nick and I were at uh, Curtis uh, and she was actually, um, uh, I think she taught us in different ways yeah. at different times there. Um, my personal experience was um, she was our, well, first of all, we, the orchestra was playing her Blue Cathedral, mm-hmm. uh, this gorgeous piece of music that she she's gifted the world. And we were just all so, so taken aback in the most incredible way. I mean, it was just... It's mesmerizing piece that that inspired everybody that was in the orchestra, the audience, um, the administration. It was just like you know, can we please play this piece over and over and over again? It was one of those types of pieces of music. Um, I think going back even a little further, um, my first day at Curtis, I, I showed up at her music history class <laughs> and uh, and I asked her if I could maybe not take her class and be excused, but still get the credits, um, because I wanted the extra time to practice. And she kind of laughed it off and said, well, why don't you go ask the Dean the same question? Uh, the answer was no. Um, <laughs> and then later on, uh, she actually left teaching the class and David Ludwig. Now the Dean of Juilliard was my, uh, was my teacher and he was very hard on me and I enjoyed it. Um, and I learned a lot. But I think, you know, the the bottom line is like, you know, we experienced her kind of like as students. And then, um, you know, fast forward uh, to about 2006 and a half, (laughs) halfway through 2006, um, we played for Christoph Eschebach, the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra at the time. And um, we really hit it off, and he invited us to come over to his music director office in, you know, at the, at the Kimmel Center, and uh, he said, you know, what do you want? And we said, well, gosh, we'd love to play um, a concerto with the Philadelphia Orchestra written by Jennifer Higdon <laughs> uh, for a whole week, subscription series with the Philadelphia Orchestra, and we'd love for the Philadelphia Orchestra to commission it. And he said great let's do it um, and you never know till you try yeah exactly. right exactly <laughs> and we
0: all looked at each other like did you just say great
1: <laughs> so I, I I just think it's um you know it's serendipitous um again personally I I grew up um in the Philadelphia area I still live there to this day and it's my hometown orchestra I I I just I love it I remember falling asleep in my mother's lap, um, at family concerts when I was four years old. Um, and then, you know, enjoying and relishing in the history of that, that orchestra, um, you know, Fantasia and the list goes on and on. Um, later to go to the Kirst Institute of Music and then even, you know, play in the double bass section with the Philadelphia Orchestra and go on tour with them, um, and then somehow end up soloing with a band that I co founded, you know, and then later on recording a whole album with them. So, you know, just be careful, parents. When you take your uh, kids to uh, orchestra concerts, they may just end up playing with that band.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or a time for three concert, for that uh, matter. Yeah. Not that they're going to play with you, but they'll be inspired to play with.
0: Brad, do you mind if I add one thing to that? Jump um, in, is, yeah. I think. When Renan was talking about Blue Cathedral and the idea, like all three of us prior to coming to Music Conservatory, I can speak for myself, the idea of playing something by a composer meant that the composer was dead and just not existent and not available. Um, by playing something like Blue Cathedral and premiering it actually was this idea that, wow, we're actually able to work with a composer and create something new. And that seated and the process with Jen in creating Concerto for Three was extremely collaborative. She would record our jam sessions and then notate them. We'd look at the music and say, what are you giving us? And she said, well, that's what you played, just notated, which of course we're not thinking. It looked, un- it was unplayable. <laughs> but we were able to really build on that, and with Kevin definitely the same way. On tour, we have these Sound check jams that we do and whenever we're there, just sound checking the room. We would exchange ideas with Kevin, and we were very—he was open to collaboration to building this incredible piece for us. So it's it's definitely something that um, is so such an opportunity, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about you know being able to mark this moment with these two pieces that were really created for us with us. Um, by these two master composers.
2: Well, I have to say, as a, a radio person, these concertos are, like, perfect to put on the air. I mean, it's a great, oh, man. A Sweet. great good to uh, hear. introduction.
0: So that's good news. Thank God you didn't say the opposite. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, what is a, this? I don't know where to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll oh, play it listen. at
1: 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I will say one thing about it being complicated. I I remember when Jennifer wrote us the concerto and and one of us in the group said, said, man, this is hard. And she said, it's a concerto, dude. Yeah. Go practice. Yeah. And and I think that's one of the things that uh, we've really enjoyed, like from like both Kevin and Jennifer's work is like, it's all, it's so beautiful. It's so incredible. But like, it also is a wonderful mountain to climb.
3: It's gratifying.
0: Yeah. Really gratifying.
2: You got one more uh, song in here for us to go out on.
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna so we're gonna play the cadenza of Jen's concerto that we wrote, um, and it connects between the first and second movement, borrowing themes from as as cadenzas do, um, borrowing themes from the first and kind of calling out what you'll hear in the second. The idea of this being, you know, again, she wrote this piece for us celebrating Americana. Um, all three of us talked a lot about you know our experiences of having these camps campfire jam sessions when we were younger and how as kids when you had that opportunity you were there together you were empowered because it was on your terms to be there and make music that you wanted to and it was it was about the shared experience and feeling something really special the connection between each other and in concert when we do this in a show with a full symphony and full audience this number really is, is like a real special moment, and we try to create that vibe in this cadenza. So we'll play that for you now.
2: Just beautiful.
0: You've been amazing, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Brad. It's good to hear your voice again.
2: All right. Time for three. And composer, pianist, Kevin Putz, uh, Nick Kendall, Charles Yang, Renan Meyer. The new album is Letters for the Future. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. See you soon.